Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, if you have a Bible, why don't you open it up to the Gospel of John. Hey, I'll just do a quick promo, too. I don't know if Dr. Holly Beers is in the room, but uh, she's speaking next Sunday night. Uh, she's a New Testament scholar, professor at Westmont, and uh, one of our favorites, and I'm so grateful that uh, she's going to be with us next Sunday, so you want to come back and, uh, and hear her. She actually has a brand new book out as well, so hopefully, hopefully if, she, if she's here, hopefully she'll bring some of those. And, uh, and we can buy those. I'm speaking in a, on an iconic passage tonight. Um, and I'm praying for fresh ears for you. I'm praying for the Word of God to do the work of God in your heart, that God's Spirit would help you. And that's the beauty of the Bible and Scripture. You can read and reread passages over the years and God can, can help you gain a new insight. God can breathe new life uh, from a passage into you, give you a fresh perspective. And uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 and 8, it's up on the screen. In fact, what, what, you know what, let's call an audible right now. Let's all stand up and we're going to read this passage together out loud. Let's fill God's house with God's word. Ready, beginning with verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born in the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake 
upon all in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. His resume is quite impressive. A Pharisee, one of the intellectual guardians of the law, a spiritual religious watchdog of the community. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which was kind of like being on this really prestigious board, the esteemed ruling council of that day. He was Israel's teacher, meaning he had a lot of authority. He was the one whose opinion could move the vote in the room. You ever been on a board and there's one person and it's like their voice really, really matters. Like they can move, they can change. That's this guy Nicodemus. His voice mattered. His opinion mattered. He was the guy that everyone was quoting. You know how that is on Instagram? There's certain like speakers, authors. That's, that's who this guy was. It was like people quoted him. He was at the top of the religious ladder. So I want you just to sit in that for a moment. We're talking about this man. He is influential. He's well-respected. Many scholars say that he was very wealthy. This is one impressive guy. This is a guy that you and I would look up to and go, I, I want to be more like him. Everybody looks up to him. His voice matters. He's making an impact when he serves on boards or on teams. And yet, what we see is the view from the top, because he's at the top. But the view from the top is kind of disappointing for Nicodemus. There's, there's something missing for him. There's something stirring in him that says, there's got to be something more. I have clout, influence. I have power. People listen to me. People quote me. When I speak up, I change people's minds. And yet, what we discover is he comes looking for Jesus. And in the NIV translation, there are two words. It says that he comes at night. Say that out loud with me. At night. Say it again. At night. The reason I want you to repeat that is those two words are part of his resume. They're part of his resume that will follow him all the way toward the end of the Gospel of John. It's really interesting how John uses words, language, to describe life, to give us a picture of life. He uses metaphor. He uses night as a metaphor. But if you turn to the end of John's Gospel, John is writing in just not at the complete end, but in John chapter 19, John describes Nicodemus, and he doesn't mention his resume. He doesn't mention his credentials. This is what John says about Nicodemus in John chapter 19, verse 39. He says, this is after Jesus was... was uh, Crucified, and Joseph of Arimathea went secretly to search for the body. And it says that uh, 
Nicodemus was with him. And here's what it says. Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus, say the two words with me. At night. Why would he mention that? Why, why is that important? That he came at night. And then later in the gospel, he came at night. I just find that to be an interesting nuance. Why is it important for us? Why does John want us to know this particular little insight about at night, about Nicodemus? He's using this word night, at night, in a particular way. It's to describe a, a condition or a circumstance, right? In John chapter 11, Jesus speaks of night. And this is in John's Gospel. It's that time when we stumble because there is no light. John uses the word night to kind of describe a blindness, a spiritual blindness that's within us. Also in John's Gospel, in John chapter 13, he writes this about Judas. He says, Judas got up and left the table, and it was night. Why does that matter? Why does he need to describe that it's at night? Then you continue to follow and you see in John chapter 21, the same John, the same gospel writer, he says the disciples were out all night and they caught nothing. Their nets were empty. And so night becomes a metaphor for John as a gospel writer. And he's basically saying Nicodemus is in the dark. His life is kind of confusing. He's lost. Nothing seems to make sense. His work, his accomplishments, his reputation, his place in society is not carrying the weight. It no longer provides stability and answers. So his Instagram photo looks amazing. But something is happening in here. Everybody is looking at his life. Well, I'm going to be like that guy. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He risks his reputation, his relationships, his prestige as Israel's teacher, his position on the ruling council, his friendships with his peer group, because he comes at night because he doesn't want to be discovered. Following, seeking, searching for Jesus. But he heard about the miracles. He heard about the miracles. In fact, he talks about that, doesn't he? He says right there, I think in verse uh, 2, No one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with them. So he's paying attention. There's something different about Jesus. I'm really religious, but there's something that he brings, he has, that I don't. And what about those miracles? How did he turn, turn the water into wine? John chapter 2. How did he do that? Unless he's the one. Is he the one? And so night after night, this is what I imagine. I imagine Nicodemus. You know, as you get older, you talk. I was with the board. We were talking about sleeping. I was like, I don't know. I get older, and I, I, I think a lot at night. I talk, my wife's like, would you quit wiggling around, man? You're taking the covers, you're tossing, you're turning. But my mind is thinking about stuff. Is, is, am I the only one who really does that? Anybody else? 
Yeah, okay, one other person. Okay. I imagine Nicodemus tossing, turning, wrestling with this question. What's missing? There's got to be something more. I have a dear friend in this church who came to know Christ in middle age, in his 40s, I want to say, maybe even in his early 50s. Very wealthy man, very influential man, very impressive man. But this is what he said. He said, I got everything. Got a beautiful wife, family, success, ton of money in the bank, live in Montecito. He said, I thought I was God. I didn't need God in my life. I had everything. But something was missing. I, I knew there was something more. It's like I had everything. I have everything. That's not enough. Something's missing. That's Nicodemus. That's what we see here in this text. That's why he comes at night. Let me ask you. Forget about who you're sitting next to. Here we are in Montecito. That's almost like a metaphor. The community that has everything. I wonder if maybe there's somebody in here tonight that's saying, I, I, my life is full, but it's also empty. There's something missing. There's a restlessness. Nicodemus was restless. That's why he comes to Jesus at night. A restlessness. And it's Augustine who's credited with that quote, right? My heart was restless. Until it found rest in you, O oh God. And here we have Nicodemus coming at night. And I wonder if you're here tonight. Maybe you're a person of influence, educated. Maybe you got money. You travel, you work out. Your Christmas card photo could have been on the cover of Santa Barbara magazine. It all looks good. But Nobody can see it, but you feel it in here. Something's missing. Maybe you're religious. You go to church. You've been coming. You go on retreats. You read all the books. You quote Tim Keller. You even read through the Bible this last year, all the way through. But your life's not being transformed. Your family, your friends would say, she's the same as she was 20 years ago. He's still the same person. There's no growth. There's no transformation. There's no life change. There's no pivoting. There's no sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. There's no fully surrendered life saying, ah, not my will, but your will, O oh God, be done. This is Nicodemus. And he comes at night. And he connects with Jesus. So let's just stop there. He comes to Jesus, and I'm going to guess, again, we're using our imagination a little bit. Jesus is exhausted. He spent all day listening to people, teaching, performing miracles, right? Answering questions. But we read in the text that he's available. He's accessible because he is always available, isn't he? Isn't Jesus always accessible? Is he too busy for us? We read that he was there, available and accessible for Nicodemus, the one who comes searching and seeking. And let me just say tonight, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but 
If you're in an authentic, real, honest place, you say, I am seeking, I am searching. There is something missing. I do want something more. I want you to know tonight the living God is accessible. He's approachable. He's available. He's here for you. He's here for me. Whether you've been going to church your whole life or you came with a friend tonight, what we read in the New Testament is that the God of the Bible is approachable, accessible for you and for me. And what Nicodemus experiences is something different. I'm just imagining. But I'm imagining he's, he's hung out with the religious elite, the academic community, the religious academic community. And he spent a lot of time listening to their voices, looking into their eyes. And I'm just imagining that uh, most of the time he saw something vital missing from their lives too, just as something was missing from his. But then he encounters the living God, Jesus Christ, and he sees something different in his eyes. He hears something different in the authority of his voice and teaching. And then he experiences something that's palpable, but hard to measure, and that's coming from his heart, a love of another kind, something he hasn't experienced before. But the love that's flowing out of Jesus' heart toward Nicodemus feels different, feels gracious, merciful, accepting, a kind of, you're welcome in this place. So this one who comes at night is now standing in the presence of the light of the world. Think about that. The one who comes at night is now standing in the presence of the light of the world. And he enters into a dialogue. And Jesus uses a metaphor. Nicodemus is thinking on a superficial or at least at, on, on, a, on a surface level. And Jesus is going down underneath. Jesus is now going to use a metaphor, and he says, you must be born again. Now, how many of you in this room are old enough to go, that phrase, born again, is kind of cringy, <laughs> right? Oh, are you one of those born-againers? I shared that with some of our younger staff, and they're like, that's not cringy for me. And I'm like, oh, right on, okay. <laughs> We're in a new generation. It's awesome. Jesus says, you must be born again. What was he saying? He's saying all of us have been born spirit or physically. We came out of our mother's womb, right? That was the conversation. Nicodemus go, what are you talking about? Do I come out of my mother's womb a second time? Out of her tummy? And he says, no, no, no. Just as you were born physically, Jesus says, you also were created to be born spiritually. There's a spiritual realm that we can't see, but it's real. And Jesus is talking about spiritual birth. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. This is a mystery, friends. Look at verse 8, if you're reading the New Living Translation. Jesus says, you can't explain how people are born in the Spirit. You can't, I can't explain how people are born in the Spirit. There's a mystery around this. I am not going to convert you tonight. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it is that you or I move from a place of unbelief to belief, a place of rebelliousness to surrender and submission. But I do know that when the Spirit of God is at work in a room like this, 
And the Word of God is being taught, but the Spirit of God is doing something, stirring, prompting, nudging, convicting, convincing. Because I've been in your seat, often I'll sit in the audience, and I'm like, God's talking to me right now. God's speaking to me. There might only be one person in this audience he's speaking to, but it's me. I'm, I'm guessing some of you have had that experience. Jesus says in verse 8, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And then in verses 10 and 11, he says, essentially, reading between lines, it's a, it's a choice that you make. He says to Nicodemus, we tell you what we know and what we've seen, what we've experienced, yet you won't believe. It's a choice. You're choosing not to believe. It's a mystery. It's a choice. But it's also a game changer, a life-changing decision. I was 15 years old. I was a rebellious kid, as a party kid, never went to church a day in my, in my life. I never went to church. I wasn't, our, our, we were Oakland Raider fans, hence the black. <laughs> um, Steve Allenson invited me to his youth group nine or ten times. Nine or ten times. I was like, church people? I'm not a goody two-shoes, religious person. That's not who I am. I, so I just said, no, politely, I don't go to church. Here's what I didn't know. I found out years and years later. John Nodelford, who actually lives in the Samarkand here in the town, he was the pastor of the church, and, and, and they had a youth group that created a top ten most wanted list. The ten students at Skyline High School that are least likely to surrender their life to Christ. And John Nodelford said, John Ireland was number one on the ten most wanted this. And he said, our high school students were praying for you. And it was a Tuesday afternoon in February 1975 do the math. And he invited me to come for the 10th time. Whoa. Whoa. That's good. And he invited me to his YouTube. And I don't know why, but this time I said yes. This time I said yes, and I went. And you know what? There was a speaker who talked about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And I got to tell you, he was boring. I didn't get it. I'm like, what is he talking about? And then Steve Allington and Ben Searway and Scott Balchuk sat with me, and I'm like, what, is that? what do you mean he died on the cross for my sins? I didn't even know what that meant. But like, it was like Mandarin learning a new language. And they began to explain it to me. And they said, you can begin a relationship with God. You can be born again. By opening your life to Christ. By inviting him in. You don't have to have it all together and have all the answers. You just have to be open to saying, as much as you know how, you're going to step out and say, I believe. So I went home, went up into my room. In Montclair, in Oakland, California, I looked out the window and I prayed, God, if you're real, like I heard tonight. The first time I've ever heard about this in my life. If you're real, Jesus, what I heard tonight, that you died on a cross for my sins. I can't even completely explain what that means, but I'm going to choose to lean into that and believe that and begin a new life. I went to school the next day. We were all in a PE class together. I said to Scott Walcher, hey, 
You know, I just said I could be born again. Like if I prayed that prayer and invited Christ into my life, that I'd become a new, like become a Christian. He goes, Yeah, yeah, did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I did that. Like, hey, everybody, I got an announcement to me. <laughs> True story. In PE classes down in high school, 35 students. John Ireland gave his life to Jesus last night. Let's celebrate that. This is a public high school. Huh? I'm like, oh, is this what it means? And I have people come, is it true? Is it true? And see, I think God knew that I needed to solidify that commitment. Like, is it true? There's no on the fence when somebody makes that announcement. And I was like, and I identified with Christ. From day one, I said, yeah, it's true. I, I'm, I'm figuring out what it means. But... And I was born again. And it changed my life. Let me tell you the number one way in the first week it changed my life. The Spirit of God comes into a person who is, when you believe, for the first, you choose to believe. The Spirit of God comes into you and He makes you aware of God life, kingdom of God. And you see that? It was a few times in the scripture. It's where God's in charge. Well, God was not in charge of my tongue. I did not know it, but every other sentence was, I was dropping the F-bomb. I was just who I was as a kid. Now I'm a Christian, and I'm like, I'm hearing myself talk, gutter talk, and mistreating people. And the Spirit of God in me began to do a, a transformation of work in, in making me aware, hearing the way I talked and the way I treated people. Are you, are you hearing me right now? Can you, can you give me an amen? <laughs> See, that's, that's what God wants to do in our lives. Take up resonance by His Spirit and begin to change us, to make us more loving, forgiving, humble, patient, to bear with, not quit on each other, but to bear with each other, to walk alongside each other, encouraging each other, rather than, I was the guy that bagged on everybody and teased people. I still tease. I'm working on it. <laughs> Renee, I just did it to you tonight. Yeah. I don't know who's in here tonight who's Nicodemus, but I've been praying that there is a Nicodemus tonight. I think there is somebody in this room that's just going, oh, Lord, that's me. Something's missing. Something more. <clears throat> Let's stand up, all of us together. I'm just imagining, uh, I don't know where you're at spiritually, but if you have made a commitment to follow Christ. Or tonight, you want to make a commitment, like I did as a 15-year-old. Just put your hand on your heart. If you don't want it, that's fine. Maybe you're far from God. I, we have, and I'm not going to call him out tonight, but I was in a men's group this week, and there was a, a guy in our group, and he's here tonight. I love, his, I love his story. He said he had made a commitment to Christ as a teenager. And then, I think it was just after college, in his early 20s, he said, I just went and lived a party life, fast life, and I've been away from God for 20, maybe 30 years. And he says, but now I'm back. I wonder if there's somebody in here who's been away from God for a decade or more. Just like my friend. And he said, and this is what he said, it's so good to be back. So we, and I said, did you have a nine sense that God was still with you? Oh, yeah. I was so far from God, but I knew he was still with me. 
I knew he was still with me. I love that. That's how good God is. Let me pray for us. Good and gracious God, you are good and you are gracious. You are so good. You are so patient. Thank you tonight. I thank you for the stories in this building tonight. Stories of faith. Stories of recovery. Stories of three steps forward and then two steps backwards. Stories of one year forward and 30 years backwards, but then coming home again. I pray for the person who's far from home tonight, but tonight they're ready to come home. They're ready to be born again, to experience life in the Spirit, to be, maybe even tonight where we could say this is a birth center, like in a hospital. This, this is where babies are being born. I pray that that would be true. I proclaim that over this room tonight, that there would be babies born spiritually in this room. I can't explain it. I don't know how it happens, but you do, Lord, and you're in charge of that, and I pray that it would happen. Lord, we welcome you into our lives tonight, afresh and anew. Come and fill us and forgive us and give us purpose and freedom to live a life of love, not to live for ourselves anymore, but to live for you one who loved us and gave his life for us. I thank you for Nicodemus. I thank you for his story. I thank you for this phrase at night. And I thank you for the invitation to not live in the darkness but to walk in the light. Tonight we commit ourselves to following you in the light. We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.